Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Things have gone sideways for Dr. Andrew Michaels, stopping to help some people in distress while escorting his unique young friend to the university campus. The doctor and the werewolf have since been missing for several days. It seems they have been seized by an unexpected adversary. Good morning, Dr. Andrew Michaels. It's so good to see you. I feel it is my obligation to help you. <laughs> and in so helping you, I will give you the uh, chance to tell me where my dearest Clarice is. Where have you hidden away my Dear, dear Clarice, oh, how I knew you would resist telling me, Dr. Andrew Michaels, but that's okay. Your shackles haven't loosened at all these days past. And I see you've healed remarkably well since your injuries at the railroad yard. I was looking for you, doctor, because I didn't know you were in town until your young ward spilled the beans, as they say. What a traitor he is. A young, long-haired, hippie child of Canadian lineage. You think you'll bring him back to the University of Chicago and civilize him? Tis-tisk. I was there the night the train was attacked by those... Neanderthal-looking creatures, the Sasquatch, you call them. I had just made my way to your train car, and I was ready to bounce and kill you. That's right. I wasn't going to risk a confrontation with you. I planned on killing you for what you've done to me. Taking away my dear Clarice. But they took you away in that moonless night, and I was left with your ward, shocked, confused. He was easily chloroformed and captured. I used my credentials as a doctor to say he was my patient, and I had him brought here with me to 
this cottage on Denman Island in British Columbia. And here, Dr. Andrew Michaels is where you'll stay until I am given the information I want. I've captured several young ladies from the local town as bait to get you to talk. Don't worry, I won't. I won't make you cry, Dr. Andrew Michaels, by filleting their bodies and eating them in front of you. I wouldn't do that. I know how your mind works. I know any harm would come to them. You'll never tell me what I want to know. No, 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 no. In this case, Dr. Andrew Michaels, everyone, including your staunch, <laughs> disloyal ward, are physically unharmed. But that's only for the moment. Don't reach for your Beloved ankle weapon, your poison secret spy pen, your beloved Tesla device. I have them all, and I must admire your Colt 45, 9-11, it's gorgeous. Who gave you this model? It's quite intriguing. Hmm. The script on the barrel I cannot read. A language that looks strangely Chinese or Tibetan, but I'm, I'm at a loss to decipher it. I don't have all my reference books out here on Denman Island. It's a small island, and the ferry only operates certain times of the day. I find it more important to bring over supplies and food stores than bring books. And in these cold winter months, I must use some of my time to procure fuel and wood for the fireplace. It's a stark, bohemian lifestyle here. The beaches are rather plain, rocky, but full of delicious clams. Delicious clams, and I make the best chowder. And doctor, I will make chowder of your young ward. And I will devour his sweet breads in the coming evening's full moon if you do not tell me that which I want to know. And that is, where is my Clarice? Where is she? Thank you.
who will rescue Dr. Andrew Michaels and his companion. If they can find a way to free themselves and the other captives, will they be able to escape together? indeed handcuffed to the bed. A small IV adding fluid to my body. I don't think I was tranquilized, but I was still a little shaky. The injuries I procured from the Bigfoot encounter still hung over me, but I felt strangely alive. I looked down at the cloth the Sasquatch had given me, and I realized I was healing some strange, strange ancient magic, herbal medicine, was helping my body heal at a very incredible rate. Were the Sasquatch the original shaman of the werewolf clans of British Columbia? I couldn't sort it, but I heard a voice. Oh my God, I heard a voice. The voice of someone I thought was dead. But I've learned a long time ago that enemies of mankind are very good at faking their death and mankind is all too eager to close the book on them. There he was. I knew him as Marvin. Marvin looked strikingly like me. He had an injury and fell down the stairs, caretaking for his mother. When he awoke, he thought he was the serial killer. Hannibal Lecter. I know this is impossible to believe that a man would think he was a raving lunatic, a high-functioning sociopath like Hannibal Lecter, that that would be his choice of alternate personalities. But there it was. Marvin spent years of his life trying to mold himself into the visage, demeanor, and nature of Hannibal. It was quite, quite frightening to behold his transformation. And when he escaped, the mental institution that we held him in, I feared the world would pay for our mistakes, letting him loose, letting him escape. But I see that I haven't had to wait long. He always blamed us at the hospital for stealing away 
his Clarice. He thought his mother was Clarice, as we took her away from him screaming. His beloved mother became his beloved Clarice, and his insanity was complete when she drove off out of sight. She had stumbled upon his symphony of horror. Many, many bodies piled up in the basement where he stayed. Marvin was a troubled individual, a sad, sad man, a lonely man, kept in check by his penchant for nudity and depravity. The objectification of women kept him alive. But his mind now had completely snapped. And here I found myself in his clutches. My young ward in another room. I could hear two to three young girls crying. Crying, obviously chained to the wall. I could see their ankles that were shackled in the other room, but I couldn't make out their faces or their bodies. To be in the clutches of a serial killer is a very scary situation, but to be in the clutches of a serial killer who is threatening to kill a young juvenile werewolf who's under stress and never been outside of his family's home and tribal area before, and he's drugged him, and he's about to turn into a werewolf, is probably the most frightening thing I've ever experienced. And I was in World War II, and I saw a lot. I saw a lot. This was going to be a bloodbath. If his werewolf metabolism couldn't overtake the drugs that were controlling his mind and altering his body's ability to check reality, he might see the three girls as witches, demons, sirens in the night, frightened deer, and kill them out of instinct. Alcohol, drugs, do not mix well with werewolves. The mind is the last thing to transform due to the pain of the transformation. Yes, the mind is the slowest. And I could start to see my young ward being wheeled into the room. Hannibal, Marvin, whatever you want me to call him. A knife in one hand, pushing the wheelchair with both. A bright, glistening, sharpened blade. A smile across his face. Dragging behind him as he finished bringing the young man into the room, shackled to a, the wheelchair, feet and legs all completely. 
held. The tight grips of the manacles. I kid you not. He said the boy wasn't harmed, but I could see blood from where he had wrenched himself trying to get free. The boy had a strong will, and that anger was not going to be sated when he transformed until he tasted blood. <laughs> and in this case, it could be my very own. He drug in a small metal table with bowls and various surgical equipment on it. Marvin had no medical experience whatsoever. He was a hack at killing people, and he was even worse at cleaning up after himself. This was going to be disgusting if it got out of hand. I only had one shackle, that one on my wrist. The other one was a simple threaded cloth tie, probably so that he wouldn't damage my arm when he was putting the IV in. I had no plan of attack, but I noticed I could get my hands on the cord for the IV fluid. It was on an old, rickety-looking tripoded stand above my head. If I could pull it down at the right angle, I might be able to harm Lecter enough, get him to drop one of his tools, and cut my one arm loose. It was possible, who knew, who knew, but I had to try. I tried to figure out the angle, and as Hannibal walked towards me, I waited for my moment. He leaned in closely, threatening me with a knife, knowing that that would have no hold over me. He leaned in close and did the most foolish thing I could, could not believe he did it. He actually laid the knife down on my chest, turned to the young ward and said, I'm going to cut him from head to tail if you don't tell me where Clarice is. That was my moment. He turned around, and in that second, I grabbed the cord for the ivy and pulled as hard as I could the heavy cast iron tripoded stand fell forward the top bar coming down and going directly into his shoulder, piercing him. I couldn't believe it. It was a perfect strike. The weight and the fall of the object and the sharp, thin tube that held the IV bag up penetrated his shirt, went right into his shoulder, shocked him, and as he turned to jerk away, he thought he was stabbed or shot. He stumbled, ripped the tripod loose, and it got hooked on the bed. And it tore down his back. He thought he was stabbed. At that moment, he stumbled, blindly fell backwards, and hit the curtains to the far side of the room, ripping the curtains and the curtain rod down. 
exposing the night sky, and, oh my lord, exposing a full moon, a full moon lie right outside the window, and the glistening light across his bloody shoulder sliding down the window as he fell to the ground grasping his shoulder that reddish tinted light through the glass I could see it across the face of the young ward I brought there I was too late the transformation had begun I pulled on my right arm the one with the IV and I was able to get the handle of the knife in my hand flipping it over I was able to even though I cut my hand push the blade under my arm between my arm and the cloth and slice the bond on my right arm with my right arm loose I started to scream at the young ward calm down calm down it's gonna be all right calm down it's your friend I'm your friend Lecter, Marvin, whatever you want to call him. Don't worry, he's not going to make it out of the room this time. Tried to stand up and slipped in his own blood. That's when I realized he had urinated all over his pants. It was an amazing thing to see, this vaunted, self-made serial killer literally pissing himself in fear and anger and pain. He stood up and crashed into the metal table across the room. He grabbed a large, evil-looking pair of forceps and a scalpel, and he says, Time to die, Dr. Andrew Michaels. Time to die. Not realizing the convulsing ward in the wheelchair was the real threat. Once again, he had turned his back on the attack, and it was a glorious attack. The young man severed all the bonds at the same moment, and he exploded out of the wheelchair. It shattered. Bent metal and wood sprang across the room, the shackles popping from his ankles and his wrists. The chair completely unrecognizable across the room. He turned just in time to see the transforming werewolf bring his top canines directly down onto his forehead. He bit completely across his face, ripping his face completely off of his head and knocking him out of the room. The girls screamed in horror as the bleeding injured Hannibal slid and slammed into the far wall of the room they were in. The cottage reeked of fecal matter and urine as the young werewolf looked at me and I pointed, go get him, boy, go get him, out of the only reaction I could give. I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. He actually paused, leaned in, smiled, and growled. He went through the doorway like it wasn't even there, smashing into the woodwork and splinters of wood everywhere. He hit Hannibal so hard 
they actually crashed through the wall out into the yard. The cottage severely damaged. He must have hit structural damage. And it started to weaken back and forth. I managed to break the bar of the bed loose. And since my legs were not tied down, I stumbled, drugged and doped up, ripping the bandages off of my eye and head into the other room, found the girls, and I kept saying, key, key, where's the keys? They pointed to a wall, and I ran and got the keys to their shackles. As I freed the girls, I gave them the keys and said, free the rest, and they did. Now free, we went out the front door, trying to ignore the evisceration, the complete disembowelment that was going on outside the hole in the wall. As we got outside into the moonlight, the young juvenile werewolf stood up and howled, howled in anguish, howled in triumph, howled in justice for what he had done. I couldn't see nor hear a word out of Lecter. With a final growl in his eyes, in the moonlight, he looked at us. I said, try to remember who you are. Try to remember who I am, hoping some some memory in his mind had not yet transformed and left him. I couldn't see acknowledgement, but I saw his actions told me all I needed to know. He grabbed part of Hannibal's leg that had been severed, and he stormed off into the night, a dog with his bone. The same keys that held the shackles held the car keys. I threw the girls in the car, and we tried to head into Denman to someplace, somewhere, down to the ferry, anywhere, just to get human help, just to get somebody to make a phone call. Everything was out of control and out of order. I know this is a fantastic tale, but I tell you, it is the truth. It is the end of this villain. And I bring it to you as a cautionary tale for all of humanity. You must never, ever, ever contest those things that you do not understand. In the morning, we found what was left of Marvin and Hannibal. Not being able to separate one from the other, you could barely identify him. Even his teeth were gone. But we found enough severed fingers to make a positive ID through fingerprinting, <laughs> believe it or not. The girls were okay. They told their tale. They told how the young man had somehow on acid or LSD turned into a monster and just tore this guy asunder. To them it was just something else, something they couldn't process. They didn't even comprehend it as a werewolf. They thought it was a young Native American going insane from the drugs that the serial killer had pumped through his body. Some kind of strange adrenaline rush. 
With that, I was able to cover my tracks and now head to Seattle, which I hoped would be the location of the young man. You've heard of werewolves of London and werewolves being loose in England and France, Paris. I had a werewolf loose in Seattle, a rainy, cold town, and it was going to be a full moon that night. I had to not only find him and protect his victims, but get him out alive. But that's another story. Until I see you again, please have a most blessed day. Good night. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Cuello. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardojuelo at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.